In the last episode, we talked about the rise and the fall of the kingdom of Urartu. We stopped at the point where Median Empire defeated Assyria and Urartu. In this episode, we're going to talk about three main themes. First, the early formation of the Armenian people. Second, the period of Orontid rule that followed the demise of the Urartian kingdom. And lastly, the happenings elsewhere in the world during the reign of Orontids. Hayasa Azi was a confederation between two kingdoms of the Armenian highlands in 14th century BC. It was the contemporary of the Hittite Empire and met its demise in the hands of the Hittite invaders in 1290 BC. The similarity of the name Hayasa with that of the Armenian name for Armenia, Hayastan, has prompted some historians to place Hayasa Azi as one of the principal areas where the Armenian people began their formation. There is a geographical overlap with the territories of Ladder Orontid and Artaxat Armenian kingdoms, and the territory of Hayasa was later known as Poker Hike or Lesser Armenia, the name given to the Armenian populated territories around the Armenian kingdom. After 1290 BC, the kingdom of Shupriya or Arme Shupriya, known in Akkadian as Armani Subartu, was the force in the Lake Van area and the similarity of its region Arme or Armani to Armenia has prompted historians to deem it as the region where the formation of the Armenian people continued after the destruction of Hayasazi. Arme Shupriya was a united entity until 1190 BC, after which another major force started rising in the region, Urartu, and eventually in 9th century Arme Shupriya along with the Nairi tribes were brought under the Urartian rule as Urartian formed the Kingdom of Ban. During the Assyrian attacks on Urartu, the leader of the Armenian tribes, Baruj, managed to unite the tribes under his banner. In Armenian tradition, he is regarded as a king, but the Armenian tribes still lived under the Urartian rule until 590 BC. Later, when Media had risen as the new challenger for supremacy in the region, the Armenian tribes allied with the Medians against Assyria, whose client was Urartu. After the fall of Nineveh in 612 and the final defeat of Assyria in 605, Urartu survived only for another decade and its downfall provided an opportunity for the Armenian tribes to capture the power. Now we can't definitely say if Armenians as such came to the area that later became Armenia as part of some Hittite or Phrygian invasion or they grew out of tribal formations such as Hayasa Azi and Arme Shupriya, but one thing we can say for sure is that by 6th century BC, there is an Armenian force present in the region, ready to take control and establish itself on the ground. So in the period following the defeat of Urartu, one of Paru's descendants, Yervand or Orontes, nicknamed by Moses Horenazi as Sakavakyats, meaning short reigning, for ruling only for 10 years between 570 and 560 BC was made into a king of Armenia under the supremacy of the Median Empire. Meanwhile, in 550 BC, Cyrus rebelled against the Medians and toppled their rule. Yervan's son, Tigran, was close with Cyrus and after Cyrus's victory, Armenia became an independent kingdom with a special relation to the Achaemenid Empire and Tigran ruled until 535 BC. Armenia was made under the Achaemenid supremacy for the next 200 years. Not a lot is known about the ancestry of Cyrus the Great, 
His story is told as a myth, just as that of founders of Rome, Romulus and Remus. Cyrus the Great established a new dynasty in the Achaemenid Empire, the most powerful state in the region upon the ruins of the Median Empire. During the early ages of the empire, the official language was Elamite, while Old Persian was being used throughout most of the empire. In mid-5th century BC, Artaxerxes I conquered Babylonia and established Babylon as the capital of the empire. At this time, Aramaic became widely used as the official language. Also, during the re reign of Artaxerxes I, Zoroastrianism spread across the empire. The first century of Achaemenid rule was marked by territorial expansion. In 405 BC, as Artaxerxes II became the king, the longest reigning king of the dynasty, Achaemenid Empire saw a period of relative stability and cultural expansion. Under his rule, Zoroastrianism became rooted in most of the people in the empire, including the Armenians. During the reign of Orontid dynasty in Armenia, many Persian kings had temporary appointments as satraps of Armenia, including Artaxerxes II and later Darius III. In addition to that, Armenian kings often had close familial ties with Achaemenid royal dynasty. While Achaemenid Empire was living through a period of peace and cultural development, another empire on the other side of the known world was rising, Macedon. Philip II took the throne in 359 BC. He started strengthening his internal position in the empire and updating the military. Philip II was able to quickly expand the borders of Macedon to the north and the west and soon took control over Greek cities. More prominent of Macedon, of course, was Alexander the Great, son of Philip II, who was born in 359 and died at the age of 33. In 334 BC, Alexander set out for his expedition towards east. He marched over Armenian highlands and conquered Cilicia in the Battle of Isis in 333 BC. During the next year, he annexed the territories of Syria, Gaza, and took over Memphis, the capital of Egypt at the time, in 331. Before Alexander's conquest, Egypt was under Persian rule. In fact, the takeover of Egypt by Alexander was actually welcomed by Egyptians. Why? This brings us to an important aspect of Alexander's conquests. He respected local traditions and religions in contrast to Persians. Meanwhile, he introduced Hellenistic traditions. This was how Hellenism spread throughout the territories that Alexander took over. Finally, Alexander returned from Egypt and marched to the Persia proper. The decisive battle where Darius III lost the war was the Battle of Gaugamela, which took place in 331 BC near the modern city of Mosul in northern Iraq. Here Alexander was able to crush the Persian army, which was twice larger and by that end the rule of the Achaemenids. Finally, by 326 BC, Alexander invaded India. He died in 323, leaving behind a vast empire that only Alexander could have maintained in unity. Since Alexander did not have an official heir, this resulted in a struggle for power after his death. Alexander's prominent generals divided the territories among themselves. The satrapy of Egypt was taken over by Ptolemy and Babylonia by another general, Seleucus. Seleucus established an empire known after him as the Seleucid Empire in the year of 312 BC and rapidly expanded east to reclaim territories that were conquered by Alexander earlier. During that period, Orontids 
were still ruling in Armenia, since Armenia had never been invaded by Alexander's army and had nominally recognized the supremacy of his Hellenic Empire. According to Strabo, Yervan IV was the last of the Orontid kings. He ruled between 228 and 200 BC. His rule ended when two of his generals from his own family, Zare and Artashes, backed by the Seleucids, rebelled against him and after conquering his capital Yervan Dashat, killed him. Armenia fell under the Seleucid rule, with Artashes being the satrap in the east and Zare in the west on the territory of the former Armenian kingdom. At this point, let's back up a little bit. While Alexander was marching east toward India, Roman Republic was growing in the Italian peninsula. It achieved domination over the Mediterranean after the Second Punic War in 201 BC, where the Roman Republic crushed Hannibal of Carthage and had no other major enemies in the region. Now that the Roman Republic controlled the entire Mediterranean, it sought to expand eastward and challenge the Seleucid Empire. In the Battle of Magnesia in 190 BC, Seleucids were defeated. In 189 BC, the Armenian satraps Artashes and Zare used the opportunity of the Seleucid defeat and declared independence. Artashes became the king of Greater Armenia and ruled until 160 BC. The dynasty that he started became known after him as the Artashesian or the Artaxia dynasty <coughs> that ruled Armenia for the next 200 years. Let's recap this episode. Ayasa Azi and Armes Shubria are believed to be the earliest tribal formations in the Armenian highlands before and during the Urartan rule and in one way or another have contributed to the later development of the Armenian people within those geographical boundaries. Orontid dynasty succeeded the Urartians and during their rule the Achaemenid, the Hellenic and the Seleucid empires rose to dominance and faded away in the pages of history. In the next episode, we will cover the timeline of the Artaxia dynasty, starting with Artaxes and then Tigran the Great, and so on.